podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Welcome to my birthday episode. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You look like a monkey and you smell like one too. Accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Or what else was it? At the end of at the end of it something about channel two. Oh, i didn't remember that part or i don't know i don't know that part uh, i can't remember it off the top of my head now i think i'd probably have to sing it and i don't want to i think i missed a lyric anyway i think it's happy birthday to you you live in a zoo, in a zoo you look like yeah. a monkey and you smell like one too yep i forgot the zoo but you do live in a zoo so uh, yeah literal crackheads in my house Mm-hmm. And wild there. Furry crackheads. <laughs> Amanda gets leprechaun. Details. No, sorry. Um, my dad would not allow a leprechaun in my house, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I've already tried. I've tried to convince him to catch a leprechaun with me, and he said no. So I think um I think you should do that for Father's Day. Just don't tell him. Tell him you're going to get ice cream and to just ignore <laughs> the nets, the giant nets in the back. <laughs> The, don't worry about those, Dad. It's they're just there. It's so that we can catch Maisie because she's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what it's for. That's perfect. <laughs> he will believe that. <laughs> hey, Dad, you're supposed to cover your ears for this part, by the way. Just skip mm-hmm. through. Yeah. Fast forward. <laughs> it's fine. Maybe I'll just make him like a leprechaun, like a, you know, like the little fairy homes that people have in their gardens. I'll, he gets I'll a leprechaun like- home. Yeah. It's like a little fortress for the leprechauns to I live like in. That. It'll keep them out of his house if they have their own home. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then their friends. Not only friends, he's a tenant. He's now a landlord. Mm-hmm. And my dad can start charging for gold. Pots of gold. Exactly. Exactly. See, we've got it. We got this all figured <laughs> out. <laughs> well, how have you been? Um, I've got good news. Okay. Can you read the bottom of this very fancy paperwork? Something negative for TB. You're negative for TB. I don't have tuberculosis anymore. You're all recovered. Yes. Do you feel it so took, good about that? It took forever. <laughs> 10 out of 10 do not recommend tuberculosis. Okay. Okay. I don't plan to actively mm-hmm. try to get tuber- tuberculosis. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Super excited that you are no longer um, you're no longer at risk of being thrown out a window or sat in front of an open window in the middle of winter. Isn't that how they used to care for tuberculosis? That's how they used to kill people. That's how they used to care for tuberculosis. The fresh air. In the middle of the winter? <laughs> yeah. That is 100. I want you to remember me telling you this. Okay. That is 1000%. How people used to kill other people and make it look like an accident. <laughs> Didn't we talk about somebody? Who did that? Where they dumped a bucket of cold water? They did it to, um, oh my gosh, the Irishman that wouldn't die. Oh, Michael Malloy. Michael Malloy. Thank you. Mike the, what they call him? Mike the Invincible? Something like that. Yeah. Michael Malloy. At one point, I'm pretty sure they dumped cold water on him, stripped him naked, wrapped him in sheets soaking wet sheets and then pushed him under the window listen or somebody I'm a did little that. disappointed in you first of all for the fact that i had to come up with his name and that was your story uh i'm not good on recall ask my husband 
I still call loves Casey's. And I also call Casey's Casey's. So when I'm referring to that specific gas station, I have to say it's the one I always call loves, but it's not. And James is like Casey's and I can't stand you. Okay. Well, for our listeners, if you want to hear that episode, it was episode 45. And that one was a wild ride. That was a really fun episode. (laughs) I love Michael Malloy. I'm so sorry I didn't remember your name. It's just because how did that man survive all of that? He he ate metal. He drank what the f- lighter fluid, paint thinner. He drank. He ha- he consumed things he should not have consumed. Also, they hit him with a car, and he survived. And he survived. I can't. Went back to drinking paint thinner right after. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. He's he's everyone's hero. He really is. So, okay. Well, do you want? Fun little IVF update. I guess it's not fun. My dad's going to cringe. So dad, cover your ears if you don't want to hear about needles. I want it more now that you said that part. Oh, okay. Um, I started injections yesterday. Okay. How was that? Um, so first of all, it's stressful because we have to mix them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's so many medications and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. So we have to mix two different ones. Well, only one tonight, thankfully, because the other one's already mixed. Um, But I let Cody do both of the injections. And so two different needles. It was awful. There was so much poking. And it was only like two needles. That's all that poked me. It was still awful. But we get to do it all over again tonight. Um, So I heard you got abducted. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Um, Oh, how could I forget? (laughs) Yes, I was abducted. Um, My darling husband, who, as I mentioned was doing the injections (laughs) he's you know he's up close and personal with my stomach because he's he's got to poke my stomach (laughs) and thankfully he did not freak out until after he was done (laughs) but he he gives me both injections or i'm like getting gauze and like you know whatever cleaning up and he goes what's on your stomach i'm like (laughs) looking at my stomach like what's on my what do you mean this man points to my incisions from the surgery I had in January. And I think the look I gave him was like the you have got to be kidding me look because it clicked pretty quickly for him to be like, oh, never mind, ignore me. Like I figured it out. But then he follows up and says, My mind went to aliens. <laughs> I was like, Yes, mm-hmm. I was abducted by aliens. We didn't, we said we wanted a baby. We didn't say how, okay? <laughs> we. So, have- this is how desperate we are. We have turned to <laughs> the outer space. They heard our prayers and they answered with Florida. They, they're coming in clutch here. Is that the term? Coming in clutch. Flargnarg yes. and everyone. They're like, okay, we're mm-hmm. on our way. And so I have officially been abducted by aliens. Thank you, Cody, for making that official for us. Oh, I knew it. And I've got four incisions from where they, I guess. Probed you. Yeah, probe me. It's not like <laughs> what they, you guys think. They cut you open, you know. Mm-hmm. I think so. it works differently for different people. You got yeah. you got lucky. I got lucky. Uh-huh. I just got a couple incisions. They did That's take. That's why your doctor wouldn't let you keep your fallopian tube. They need say, They took my fallopian tube. Yeah. Yeah. 
They also removed scar tissue, which, you know, I'm not going to complain. That's fine. That was just like an added bonus. They felt bad because yeah. they're like, we're taking her fallopian tube. We could at least take the scar tissue with us. They're like, she's not, she's going to feel this for a few days. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll yeah. just help out. Yeah. So Flargnarg, everyone else, they came out or came down. Cody forgot, apparently. And then oh. very quickly remembered that I had been abducted. So bless my husband. Yeah. So thankfully made it back safely. No bad memories. <sighs> and you almost forgot about it. Almost. Because I thought it was mm-hmm. a surgery. They obviously have me brainwashed. Yeah. Well, we've heard that they can alter memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine, though. Cody remembered. He reminded me it was not a doctor. It was Flardnard. Cody is one of the rare few that is resistant to the brain probes. He's a keeper. Mm-hmm. He's going to have your back. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was our story about those injections. And bless my husband. <laughs> Thank you. I was dying. I had to tell you immediately. I was going to say I told James, but I don't think I did. Nope, I didn't. He was at work. I'm definitely going to tell him later, though. (laughs) Well, that's my story. That's the first story. That's the only story I have. Because right now, my personality is IVF. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have a choice. I don't get a personality outside of that right now. I think that's acceptable. I mean, you, based on the medicine you're taking, you are a complete IVF. So, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we'll move on past it and I won't have to talk about it anymore. Right now is not the time. So, oh, uh, one more little thing. My little sister. I don't know if I told you this. So I've got a little sister. She's 10 years old. I know you know Amanda, but Mm -hmm. uh, she started playing tackle football. And I went to her first game yesterday. Is she wonderful? Oh, they're horrible. Oh. But But is she wonderful? She's always wonderful. I don't care what anyone (laughs) says. She's wonderful. (laughs) But watching those little girls was kind of funny. Her entire team cried at least once. <laughs> Together or separate? Like Each individual of the girls crying. cried at one point from what I understood. I know Camille cried and I saw several other girls crying on her team. What did they do? What do... I could not handle that. I mean, they had padding on and it was an all-girls... It's an all-girls league. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the tackling and the football. I'm talking about the crying. I would not know how to handle that. Would you just like. They're there now. (laughs) Walk it off. (laughs) Yeah, walk it off. I think one of the other unhealthy things that we were told growing up. Rub some dirt in it. Rub some dirt in it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I think they were just a little (laughs) discouraged because they were up against it. Like they just didn't have the same amount of practice as the other team, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so the other team was a lot better. And the girls were just very confused. Like, I know nothing about football, but I'm just going off of what I heard from parents on sidelines. I'm great <laughs> at eavesdropping. That's what I can do, okay? Um, but, you pick that up in the probing. They yeah, also, yeah. like, they improved your hearing. Yeah, exactly. They're like, okay, we'll go ahead and give her this uh, eavesdropping hearing. <laughs> Not supersonic. That would have been great, but <laughs> eavesdropping quality. Um, but it sounds like from what I understood, at least, is that the girls just were like, they just didn't quite understand, like, okay, when this happens, do this. And when this happens, like, this is what you're looking for. They didn't quite get that. 
Mm-hmm. I don't get it either, and I'm a grown ass adult, but I also don't like football. Okay. I mean, I like football. I would love to put Annie in football. I think that would be fun. And tackle. Um, oh hell yeah. yeah! She would be Do fine. It. She would. Be I'm fine. only fine. I'm only a fan because of my little sister. I didn't know that they had like little girls tackle football leagues. Uh, it's relatively new. It's not a very big league. I think there's only like six teams for my little sister. Like less than ten. I don't think, according to James, he doesn't know enough about football. I know he coached soccer and basketball. Basketball? He coached basketball. Yeah. Soccer and basketball, but I can't deal with a bunch of crying anybody. Kids, girls, boys, adults. I I don't know what to do. So even myself, when I cry, I'm just disgusted. So I'm not good at this. You know what? Speaking of crying. (laughs) (laughs) Quick little story for you. Because I'm pathetic. Okay. Okay. I'm sure you're not. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) So I had to take birth control before actually starting injections. That's part of the suppression phase, blah, blah, blah. And on the birth control, you know, your home, like first month, hormones are out of whack. I haven't been on birth control in forever. But hormones are all out of whack. And during the time, like after I started birth control a couple weeks later, I was finding myself crying at TikToks. Um, were they sad TikToks? Well, the one that stood out was, it had to do with Big Brother Canada, like the show. And it was from the twenty, the year 2020. And it was uh-huh. the producers telling the, the people on Big Brother Canada about COVID-19. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just like sobbing. <laughs> so I don't even know. They're all freaked out because they're already in quarantine, like cut off from the rest of the world, and they're learning about COVID. They don't know how their families are. Okay, that part sucks. But other than that, it sounds like the safest place to be is on Big Brother. Well, let's make it even worse is that they also had to end production early because of COVID. Oh, we're going to take you out of this safe space and kick you out into the COVID realm. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I cried at that because it was like a series of like three or four videos <laughs> with updates. I was crying. And then <laughs> I think it was Friday night. <laughs> Cody and I did movie night where we, you know, we were just on Netflix, whatever. And we watched a heavier show. I didn't cry at this one. Okay. It was just kind of like a darker show. Um, What was it? At the Guilty. It's on I Netflix. I've heard of it. Um, it's, yeah, it's. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. But we watched that one. I got through that one just fine. But I was like, I need something lighter. Like, I don't want to watch another dark show. And so I turned on the movie Home. Oh, no. I don't. What did you just say to me? I don't want to watch another dark show. So I turned on the movie Never mind. Home. I don't know what Home is. I was thinking Up. And I was like, what is wrong with you? No, 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 no. Home. Home is a darling show. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Annie would like it. I'm writing down Home now. <laughs> aliens basically come and invade earth like cartoon aliens um they don't hurt people they just relocate everyone to australia um but one (laughs) little girl doesn't get relocated (laughs) um whatever so it's like this little human girl's adventure oh and the voice of the main alien is sheldon from big bang theory okay so you know but anyway so it's an alien that's on the run because he made a mistake like just it's, it's a silly show but the whole thing is like finding accept like uh, acceptance and empathy, and I'm just like, it's just so touching. 
Don't watch any more TV. I can't do anything. No. No more. Oh, you know what? We're going to send you to Big Brother. You have no contact with anybody. <laughs> Only you were doing, you were doing no brother. <laughs> you were, you're not Big Brother. You are solo child. Listen, it's not my fault. I am blaming the doctor. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a very sidetracked story. <laughs> Boy, is my life just an adventure right now. Girl, speaking of adventures, what did you do to me? You requested this story. Oh, shit. I forgot I made a request. <laughs> well, okay. Before we get into that adventure, if any of our listeners want to take a little stroll down memory lane or, you know, go on an adventure through our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can do that. Our Twitter is Hell on Heels Pod. Everything else is Hell on Heels Podcast. You can also find us on Linktree. That's going to have a link to all of our things. Um, and then we also have our Patreon up and going. So if you want to join Patreon, get access to early episodes. Uh, maybe watch bloopers like Amanda spilling Gatorade all over herself or I don't know when she made it rain down or he does those should be on Patreon that was a sad day I forgot I did that oh I didn't (laughs) (laughs) that's fine I was gonna say it rained down chanclas and I knew that was wrong oh that's terrifying holy (laughs) oh my god fine now okay now I'm ready for this adventure that I put Amanda through. Do I remember what I requested? No, because I requested like six things. Okay. Um, I just, I had like a whole big, like half page intro to this and I <clears throat> deleted all of it. And I have one sentence. This is a real story. Okay. That's okay. what I need you to remember. Because <laughs> there, there are parts of this that do not feel real, but the details are the same in multiple sources, okay? Listen, I just made a request. You chose which one. You chose which adventure to go through with. And I'm so glad I did. <laughs> but I just want y'all to remember, this is, this is a real story. Okay. <clears throat> and it is the story of the Philadelphia Poison Ring. Okay, I'm How ready. much... Do you know about this? I know bare minimum. I've never heard of this, and that is wild. Because this is, yeah, let's just, okay, <laughs> we're just going to talk about it, okay? So, Paul Petrillo, he was born January 16th in 1892 to Vincent Petrillo and Nicoline. Um, and on his death certificate, it said Nicoline question mark. So he was born to Vincent and Nicoline? Nicoline. Is that because we're questioning how we're saying her name? I think we're questioning if that was her name. Or maybe if we're questioning if it was her. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're like, I think this might be Nicoline, but I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe his father was um, a womanizer. And it could have been like a couple of ladies. And he was like, eh, probably Nicoline. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but I did include the question mark. In my notes. Uh, they immigrated to the U.S. in 1910. And Paul Petrillo worked as a tailor in the U.S. And he had a tailor shop called Paul Petrillo Custom Tailor to the Classy Dressers. The Classy Dressers. Yeah. It feels like a long name, but I guess that doesn't really matter. Because he ain't messing around with people that can't afford him. Only the Classy Dressers. Not the street trash. It was a necessary name. It is absolutely necessary. Now, 
his cousin, Herman Petrillo. Herman was born November 6th, 1893, um, also in Italy. They were both born in Italy, I'm sorry. Now, Herman was born to Clement Petrillo and Marietta Vitali, which is, oh, what an Italian name. Marietta Vitali, I love it. Yes. Now, she was a classy dresser, I guarantee it. With a name like that, she had to have been. I mean, she had the hookup for a classy, to be a classy dresser. Yeah, her, uh, I assume her sister-in-law. Someone. Now, they also immigrated to the U.S. in 1910. And records show that Herman was a barber for a time before becoming a salesman. Bryce, please tell me what he sold. Haircuts. Poison. No, eventually. Dogs, cats, rings, jewelry. If it helps, this was in, I believe, maybe 1915, 1920, somewhere around in there. In... The United States. I have no clue. Spaghetti. I love him so much. He sold he sold spaghetti. Did he make the spaghetti? That was unclear, but he sold spaghetti. Hey, come and get your spaghetti. <laughs> was that Mario? <laughs> that's as close I got as some spaghetti get. over here. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Boston. <laughs> I don't know where you went from. <laughs> Italian, my stereotypical Italian to Boston. I don't know. You have just, to. I imagined him like on the street peddling his wares, his spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> We've got white the spaghetti. He's sitting on the corner and he throws it against the wall and he's like, look, it's done. Any Italians right now are screaming at us. Anybody not, uh, anybody middle class and higher? That's not from the U.S. is like, why are you spaghetti throwing spaghetti at the wall? <laughs> They're like, what? What's happening? <laughs> you throw it. If it sticks, it's done. Okay. <laughs> the streets of Philadelphia were just lined with spaghetti. It wasn't graffiti. It was spaghetti. Spaghetti, feedy. Oh, can you imagine all the strays just following <laughs> his trail of spaghetti everywhere they go? Not a hungry dog in sight. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was my... That was... Is that your way of lightening the story? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, I love him so much. Okay. Herman and Paul, like I said, they were cousins. And suddenly the Great Depression is upon them. And they're both struggling. So they started some side hustles. Um. Herman, he gave up his spaghetti, and instead, he picked up counterfeiting $5 and $10 bills and arson. That was one hell of a change in careers there. Like, that, he, he was strategic about this, right? Oh, yeah. And from what I read, um, there's a story, and we'll get into it later, but there is a story where the authorities do get their hands on some of his counterfeit bills and they were astounded at how real they were. So not only was he like counterfeiting and setting things on fire, he was really good at it. So maybe he just was not really good with spaghetti, but he's like, look, I'm good at money. It's fine. I can figure this out. I just want to know how he learned. Like, how did he come? How did he go? Did he just get mad at the spaghetti and he just set the whole thing on fire? And he's like, I'm really good at this. And he just used the rest of his stock to light things on fire, like matches. I don't know. 
That's a skill um, that everyone has to figure out. I think they figure it out in their own way. I don't know how he did it. But he did. Maybe he's the one that figured out that you can light spaghetti on fire like a match. Almost like a match. I think he is. I yeah. think we should call that the Patrillo. The Patrillo. The spaghetti Patrillo. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so he was really good at this. Um, and he he kind of had he was well known in the criminal world and by authorities. They chased him for years. And he he had a bunch of contacts. He was making his way. Now Paul Paul went a different route, and he started running insurance scams in the back of his tailor shop. At the time, insurance was was cheap. That kind of feels like it goes hand in hand. Like your cousin is doing counterfeit bills and arson over here. You're going to run the insurance. That's perfect because he's going to have just extra counterfeit money so that he can go and light this building on fire and you can do the insurance claims. You're thinking like a Petrillo. Yes, I want to be part of this family so bad. But you're missing one crucial element. Just wait, because we're almost there. (laughs) Okay, so at the time, insurance was cheap. or I mean, you know, relatively cheap. It was ridiculously easy to get insurance on somebody. A lot of times, the person didn't even have to know about it. And medical examinations were not required for policies under $500. So you just... Get a bunch of $500 policy, $499 policies. You don't want to go over. No. $499.50 tops. Exactly. Just don't risk it. $499, that's enough. $0.50, not going to make a huge difference. Maybe not in today's economy, but. Oh, definitely not. Their economy, it might have. Point is, $500 rounded up is a lot. Okay, $499, you're good. Yeah, it's not worth the risk. We can give you $5 in counterfeit money. So just don't even sweat it. Yeah, so you'll have most of the real money and then just like a couple. Mm -hmm. And counterfeit. See, you got it. See, you're you're in the zone. You're in the head zone here. I'm here. I got you. Once they come up with this plan, Paul and Herman started, they started targeting sickly middle-aged men. They would sign them up. Now, they worked as kind of like, I guess kind of like mediaries. Like, they did not work for the insurance company, but they kind of went out and they were like, hey, you need insurance. I know a guy. Just sign here. They're like, they're contracted workers at that point. Okay, yeah. See, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, they sold policies with weekly premiums of 50 cents or a dollar. Pretty, you know, not bad. And Paul would sign people up for life insurance. And then he would list himself as a brother or a cousin. And these people did not know that he would also list himself as a sole beneficiary. I mean, you got to check the fine paperwork, guys. You don't just sign paperwork. You have to read the fine print. And it's, it's we're family now, okay? Like, I helped you get this policy. I feel like we're really connected. We're, we might as well be brothers. That's how close we are. You're really good at this. <laughs> I'm gonna let you talk to my husband. No, I'm not. Never mind. They took out a few policies and set to work collecting on those policies. And during this time, we know that the men were responsible for the deaths of Ralph Caruso and Joseph Arena, these men were both invited on separate fishing trips, so they did not go together. Um, They went on a fishing trip where they were beat over the head and then thrown overboard to drown. Seemed like an overreaction. A little, yeah, a little bit. Now, the third person was John Wallachan. He was beat up, hit with a car, and then run over repeatedly. Were they looking for Michael Malloy? 
Is that what was happening? They were looking for Michael Malloy and got the wrong person? Possibly. I think they would have been very, they would have been very upset with Michael Malloy. <laughs> um, again, seems like an overreaction. It also seems like, how do you make that look like an accident? We, we were trying to, we didn't mean to hit him. It was an accident. So we backed up thinking, oh my God, did we actually hit him? Hit him again. And then we panicked and drove forward. Because we and had then, to get the car off of him to make we, sure he's yeah. okay. But then when we got out to check on him, the car was still on him. Turns out that we had rolled all the way over him and then only one set of tires went back over. So then we actually had to go over him again. We mm-hmm. didn't mean to. We were we had the best intentions. And um, is that what you told the authorities? I can neither confirm nor deny any details of the case. I plead the fifth. <laughs> we won't go there. Okay, so I told you Paul started his insurance scam, but I said that he had another uh, interest. It was called La Fatura. Ooh, fancy. It is. I don't know if I said it right, but it feels right. This is um, black magic. Many Italian immigrants believed in this black magic. Protection spells, uh, stuff like that. Paul, being the businessman that he is, he's like, I can capitalize on that. So he had this friend that he met named Dr. Morris Bulber. I don't know what kind of doctor this man is. I could not find. But Bulber? Bulber. Yeah. I don't feel like I would trust him. <laughs> well, he had a nickname. Bulby? Bulbous. Louis the Rabbi. Is he a rabbi? I think so. Okay, so that doesn't feel, that feels like a mm-hmm. title, not a nickname. He he at least went by rabbi, and he helped young boys prepare for their bat mitzvahs. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what a rabbi does, but I feel like that would be one of the things. It feels rabbi-esque. Yes. Um, he was originally from Russia. He immigrated to the U.S. in 1911. He originally immigrated to New York, where he became a teacher. A little, he quit that, probably because kids suck. And then he opened a grocery store. And then that took a Great Depression to the face. So after his grocery store closed, he moved to Philadelphia. This is where he eventually met Paul Petrillo. And Paul was immediately um, platonically taken by this man. They became immediate platonic soulmates. Yes. Yes, they did. Because I told you, Paul Petrillo was super into black magic and uh, Bulber. He claimed to have extensive knowledge in magic. He knew potions, uh, black magic. He was a faith healer. He was described as a veteran witch doctor and compounder of charms. He became obsessed with magic as a young child, and he visited in China in 1905 to find a legendary sorceress named Reno or Rhino. I'm not sure how that was pronounced. Rhino sounds so much better. Okay, we'll call her Rhino. So he lived and apprenticed, lived with and apprenticed under Rhino for five years. And she taught him how to make potions and use healing spirits. So Paul Petrillo is like, oh my God, I've got an idea. And they open a consultancy. They opened a consultancy together in 1931 where they offered palm readings, spells, charms, love potions, stuff that people they specifically targeted the italian immigrants they were just they would just eat this up 
they started selling love potions to women with the promise that it would help their newly unemployed and possibly, probably depressed husbands. Wait, these are love potions that they're giving? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're married, shouldn't you have already given them the love potion? I don't know why they didn't say it was a different type of potion. Um, but, so women were just flocking to their spiritualists at this time because spiritualism was on the rise too. They were just flocking to these people and telling them all their issues. And a lot of these issues revolved around their husbands, their husbands, husbands, their husbands being out of work now. They were probably depressed and tensions were high everywhere because no one could provide for their families. No one could afford anything. So they were like, well, what you need is this love potion. You give him this and he'll, he'll turn around. He'll be more attentive. He'll be more caring. He'll be the family man that you fell in love with. And people are desperate. So I, I mean, at least a couple people bought these love potions. But there was a caveat to these love potions. Okay. They told the women that if your husband is a good man, this potion has a very high chance of curing him. If he's a bad man, he gonna die. It's gonna kill him. But that's okay. We sell insurance. That you will not have access to. Oh, no, 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 no. Because we're the beneficiary. That's fine print. That's fine print. No, no, no. Just sign here. Yeah. Do you just, you sign here? He doesn't even, he doesn't even have to sign it. Because Herman, Herman was also a local actor. So he went down to the insurance company and pretended to be the husband and signed. Did Herman put on like fake mustaches, weird hats, wigs? Did he go all out? I can only hope. I feel like he better be dedicated to the act because if he didn't have the glasses mustache duo, like that where it's connected, it's by the nose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we can trust him anymore. Yeah. He had to have. Herman, Mm -hmm. like, come on. Now these love potions, you know, they had a secret ingredient, right? They had a special ingredient. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that is? No, I think you know what that is. I mean, I have a feeling. It was arsenic. And sometimes antimony, which I had to Google that. (laughs) Um, Arsenic and sometimes antimony. (laughs) Not alimony, antimony. Antimony. Yeah, because if they're dead, you don't get alimony. Yeah, sorry. You don't even get the insurance if they're dead. No. Mm -mm. Because Cousin Herman gets that. Yeah, Herman and Paul and Morris now, too. No one likes Morris. I don't like, well, I think some people like Morris. I don't like him. I don't like any of these people except Herman. (laughs) Um, That's because of the spaghetti, huh? It's exactly because of the spaghetti. Yeah. Antimony is similar to arsenic, arsenic, uh, but it just has a slightly lower toxicity, but it'll still kill you. It just might take a little more. So they did this for a little bit and then things changed in 1932. Morris Bulber and Paul Petrillo were meeting with this customer and she started complaining that her husband had been unfaithful. So give him that love potion. Um, no, Paul just seduced her instead. I mean, you know what, what goes around comes around. (laughs) He, I don't know what exactly he told her. 
But I do know that he was apparently a pretty smooth talker because he told this woman to take out a $10,000 life insurance policy on her husband and then kill him. Problem solved. Now you're a free lady. Uh, so, like, what happened to the four ninety nine policies? Why? Why are we doing such a big jump here? Well, because they started coming up with really good ideas. Where even if you needed a medical examiner, this would pass. They had a plan. He was hit by a car. No, not not this Six guy. Or seven times. Her husband, Anthony. Giscobi, he liked his drink. So Paul told the woman to strip him naked after he passed out and leave the window open on a cold winter night. And he caught his death of cold. Bryce, does this sound familiar from earlier in the episode? <laughs> um, she was not treating him for a medical disease. <laughs> There's a difference. Thank you. See, that's what crazy. That's what's crazy. It kills a normal person, but it cures tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, don't you guys know? Like, get your get get it all together, because you know what consumption consumption was real crazy, and for some reason, the only thing that could kill it was the cold. See, all this I didn't have to take nine months of this <laughs> big chalky horse pill. All I had to do was get drunk, get naked, and get hypothermia. <laughs> This whole time. This whole time you should have come <laughs> to Dr. Bryce. <laughs> Dr. Patrillo. Oh, I'm sorry. You should have come to Dr. Patrillo. <laughs> uh, I'd make a great doctor in the 1800s <laughs> with consumption treatment. Man, I'm telling you. <sighs> I'm sorry. Okay. For anyone that is offended, <laughs> we know that tuberculosis is not cured by putting someone in front of a cold window or open window in the cold. Yeah, I just told you it's a lot of pills. Horse pills. Chalky yeah. horse pills is what mm -hmm. she said. I was listening to her. <laughs> so this went off um, without a hitch. And uh, Paul, by the way, he left his this lady after they got their money. It did give them a whole new plan. They found women who were just plain fed up with their husbands. And they told them, hey, let's set up this insurance. Herman acted like the husband, went down and signed. Then the women would kill their husbands with these quote-unquote love potions. And then the Petrillos, Bulber, and the wife would all split the insurance. They're rolling in the dough here. Now it is said, I wanted to say, or yeah, I wanted to make sure it was known, I should say. Some of these women knowingly poisoned their husbands while others did so unknowingly because records show that not all the women that visited the consultancy with their problem received insurance payments so it could be that they were just they believed them and they were like oh this will help my husband and then he unfortunately died hmm. which is even worse because if they were the sole beneficiaries these women now they their husband died and they have like how are they supposed to provide for their families yeah this feels like um story last week where it's like not I mean, a little bit different but the story last week the dad left and sold the house out from under him this is what that feels like mm -hmm. exactly oh that's a good callback so at this point herman started using his criminal connections and he would send thugs out to the people that they had taken these insurance policies on and they would 
specifically try to make it look like an accident so they could collect the double indemnity. Uh, Herman referred to this as sending them to California. That was his playful way of being like, hey, go kill this man. No, go send this man to California. Why does it seem like he's insinuating that California is hell? Oh, I took it to mean California is heaven. But I've been to L.A. It's not. I'm sorry, L.A. It smells bad there. I took it as hell because I would think if they were saying heaven, it'd be like, send them to me like God or go face to face with Jesus or whatever the hell the terminology is. What's in California that would signify hell, though? No, it's just the way they said it. Send them to hell. Oh, send them to California. Okay. Um, yeah, you that's where I my see where you're at. Now, they didn't have just one way of sending people to California. That'd be silly if they only had one way. That would be completely ridiculous. They're professionals. Okay. I'm going to start with Morris's favorite way. Morris's most fond... Excuse me. Morris was most fond... Of killing men with a sandbag to the head. Yes. Bryce is raising her hand. No, I'm calculating. I'm trying to figure out how they were getting a sandbag to the head. That was unclear. I really wish it would have told me. I don't know if he was just walking up to men in the street and just like, I don't know. Like, I've, tr- I've lifted sandbags before. They're not easy to wield as a weapon. That's why my hand was back here. Because it feels like a staged accident, right? Yeah, like... We had this sandbag tied up up here, and Mm -hmm. it fell and swung and hit him in the head. We couldn't have done anything. Like they used to do with pianos, but the piano was too heavy. Yeah. So And a sandbag is free. You just get a bag and fill it with sand. You don't have to buy a piano. Yeah, it's... Well, the bag might cost money, but it's significantly cheaper than the piano. Not if you buy potatoes. Then you just keep the potatoes, use the sack. It's like using grocery bags for the bathroom trash can. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you there. Morris allegedly liked this method because it caused a cerebral hemorrhage or like a brain bleed. And it could have seemed like an accident. I don't know how common those are. Um, But uh, bleeding in the brain doesn't feel like an accidental thing to me. Like, concussions, I know you can have a concussion and not know it. I feel like this is different. But I, can't you hemorrhage naturally? Can you? I thought that... Oh, I'm thinking of aneurysms. Yeah, an escape of blood from a ruptured blood vessel. That's a hemorrhage. And you can do that just walking down the street. Yeah, because it's just a blood vessel is rupturing. Well, thanks, Bryce. That's freaking terrifying. <laughs> that I can just be driving to work one day and get a cerebral hemorrhage it's not likely i'm just telling you what the cause of it is cause i don't know i've got a sunroof okay i could just what if someone's waiting on my car with a sandbag okay just to put amanda's mind at ease according to my.clevelandclinic.org uh the most common causes of hemorrhage are alcohol drug or tobacco use that is heavy or long-term blood clotting disorders cancer Complications from medical procedures such as surgery or childbirth, damage to an internal organ, hereditary disorders, um, injuries such as cuts or puncture wounds, bone fractures or traumatic brain injury, violence such as a gunshot or knife wound or physical abuse, or or, or viruses that attack the blood vessels such as a viral, viral hemorrhagic fever. 
okay, I do actually feel better. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay, good. So, uh, the types of deaths suffered by the victims, they varied pretty widely. And a lot of times it depended on what the victim did for a living. So one man named Lorenzo, he, oh God, he was a roofer. And the Petrillos found him at work one day. And they just, they, this is a real story, okay? They distracted him by handing him what was described as French postcards. Which back in the 20s and 30s, these were like, they featured scantily dressed women, sometimes in like risque poses. Sometimes they showed like, honestly, what seemed as kind of like tender moments between a man and a woman. But it was just like, oh, no, for the time. It was scandalous. It was scandalous. Okay. Like these postcards, from what I read, were illegal to send in the United States. Illegal? Illegal. You could, from what I read, okay, you could buy them but you could not mail them i don't know if the police just showed up at the return address and was like you're arrested for sending this filth through the u.s postal service nobody wants to see this you can see her shoulder Uh, literally her ankle too what filth is this disgusting so they they handed him these postcards and then pushed him off of the eight-story building and Their rationale was like, okay, he's going to hit the bottom. He's still going to have these postcards in his hand. And police are going to think that he was looking at this, this trash and got distracted and fell off the building. They should have put the trash in his pocket or at least one piece of trash in his pocket. I don't, why would you hold on to that as you're falling? I I imagine you're going to let go of them. They're going to fly everywhere. Children on the street are going to see these ankles and shoulders. They're going to be traumatized for life. They, they're probably going to need therapists. And they probably didn't exist back then. So I, I don't know. I don't know. These poor, poor children and men. It was said that this kind of informal gang murdered about 12 men in this way before they expanded their practice again. Diversifying their portfolio. Okay. Before they're... <laughs> Well, I feel like either of them would would work in this situation because they brought in a new key player, a female. (gasps) No. Her name was Karina Fatavo. And she was known in her neighborhood as a witch. She was a faith healer. And she also killed her three husbands. They deserve it. Before she made a business out of it. So she became a marriage counselor and she, she would give, that's what she was called. Okay. Doing business at a DBA marriage counselor. (laughs) She would give women poison to kill their husbands. I would like to know where she got her license. Um, well, I would have to assume Philadelphia because that's where this, this all took place. I want to know who licensed her for this marriage counseling that she is doing. Um, I'm not sure. I could look into my banky things at work. I have a folder on my desktop. It's literally called banky things. I could look in there and, and see when you had to actually register DBAs. And I'll see if, uh, if she had to legally go about doing this or not. Oh, I'm sure she did not. She probably just, um, she had stickers put on a window. Not even stickers. She painted marriage counselor on her mailbox. And 
now she's she's in business. Is that how easy it is? Not anymore. Now there's oh. a little more paperwork. You gotta have, yeah, you gotta have signatures, stuff from the the, the city. Yes, this is a big song and dance. Dang. Morris Bulber, he sought out Karina and explained their scam to her. And she was so impressed that she joined them and she brought her client list with her. She's like, you guys are doing what I'm doing just on a larger scale. Like, yes, I will incorporate my business into yours. I would love to help women kill more people. Thank you so much for thinking of me. (laughs) It's such an honor. I will accept this position within your company. By late 1937, the Philadelphia Poison Ring was believed to have claimed about 50 victims. And they have been murdering for roughly seven, six, seven years at this point. Listen, it could have been worse, right? Could it, ha- could, could it have? Yeah, it could have been 100 victims. All right. So enter George Mayer. George had an upholstery cleaning business. But he was having trouble because, again, Great Depression. And he was desperate to save his business and provide for his family. So he sought out Herman Petrillo for help. And he asked, he asked for financial help to save his business. And Herman offered him $500 in actual money and then $2,500 in counterfeit bills and a lead pipe. And he told him, I would love to help you. All you have to do is kill Ferdinand Alfonsi. And you have to do it exactly like this. He told Mayer to kill Ferdinand in his house. He had to hit him with the pipe, carry him up the stairs, and then throw him down the stairs. And he had to make it look like an accident. This is a lot of work. That's a lot of Why can't you just kill him at the top of the stairs? Why can't I hit him at the top of the stairs and then... And then he just naturally falls. This feels very physical. Uh, you want me to carry him up the stairs? That's dead weight, sir. It, it, I clean upholstery for a living. What do you expect me to do? I don't know how heavy upholstery is. Maybe if he's carrying couches and stuff. I don't know. But also, why do you just have a lead pipe? And why, why do I have to kill someone in order to get your help? And why are you, why do you have just $2,500 in counterfeit? But he makes five and $10 bills. That's a lot of bills. I feel like you should just start making larger bills. I feel like something's got to give soon for these guys. Well, according to what Mayor told the authorities, he was not going to do this. What he was going to do was try to get an advance on the money. By telling Herman that he would do it and then not doing it, which feels risky for you to, like, you're telling me that you're going to try to pull a fast one on somebody that's asking you to murder somebody? Um, I mean, you do you. You live your life. <laughs> Maybe it's a little smarter. So, Mayor, he did end up selling this info on this murder conspiracy to the Secret Service instead. And he happened to come across a Secret Service agent named Agent Lavoit. From what I read, not his actual name because Secret Service. Agent Lavoit had been trying to catch Herman Petrillo for years. He wanted him for the counterfeiting. Um, he had like multiple 
he had done multiple stings and had multiple warrants for him. Nothing ever panned out. He could not get his hands on this man. I imagine he was probably pissed about it. Oh, he was holding a grudge. Yeah. It, it said that cliche thing that he had a file three inches thick on Herman Petrillo. So he's very interested in what Mayer had to say. Agent Lavoie, Landvoit, excuse me, he wasn't willing to take his chances on the murder scheme, though. So he told Mayer that he would only pay him if he got proof in the form of counterfeit bills. So Mayer is literally screwed either way here. So on August 1st, 1938, an undercover agent posing as a felon fresh out of prison for murder, he accompanies Mayer to meet Herman Petrillo. And they go out to a diner, and then they were uncomfortable talking about this in the diner, so they went and sat out in a car. And Herman suggests that the men take Alfonsi to the Jersey coast and drown him. But they have to leave the clothes there because if he's just naked, it won't look like an accident. So you have to leave the clothes there with him. When were you undressing him? Not real sure. That part was unclear. Also, what happened to the plan of carrying him up the stairs? It changes multiple times. It's about to change again. So... Since they are not going after the conspiracy theory, they want him for the counterfeit money. Which, to be fair, I can understand that because that is physical proof. That's something that's going to hold up after they've been chasing this man for God knows how long. So they're trying to get specifically this counterfeit money. The undercover agent that's with him, he suggests Herman gives them money to buy a car. They use this car to take Alfonsi to a dark country road where they then drag him out of the car, beat him, and then run him over and leave him on the side of the road. And Herman Petrillo is like, that's not a bad idea. But why are you going to buy a car? Just steal the car. You're already going to kill a man. Why would you buy a car? We're thieves. Like, we're, we're, we're bad people. Just, just take a car. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> they didn't want to press the issue. So they just told him that they would think about it, and they left. Apparently, weeks went by of them meeting and, I guess, playing this back and forth on trying to reach an agreement of, like, well, how about we kill him this way? Well, how about we kill him this way? And finally, at a meeting one night, Herman offers to sell the men some counterfeit money. He offers the the undercover agent to buy... $200 worth of the counterfeit bill. And this guy's like, done. And Herman Petrillo was like, all right, it'll take me about two weeks to get it ready. So in this two weeks, they're kind of just waiting around for him to call. But Mayer starts feeling guilty. So he goes to Ferdinand Alfonsi's house to check on him. And he's dressed as a construction worker. And he asked to speak to the man of the house. And Alfonsi's wife told him that he was very sick and bedridden and that he you know, he couldn't come to the door. So Mayer in turn goes back and tells the Secret Service, who are now starting to also feel guilty because they're basically ignoring this man. So they send a group of agents to visit the house and they pretend to be insurance representatives. Smart. Alfonsi's wife let them in and they find Ferdinand Alfonsi in bed, unable to move, unable to speak, and his pupils were bulging. I'm assuming this meant, you know, like his eyes are bulging out of his sockets. Very obviously not healthy. 
They called police and Ferdinand Alfonsi was taken to the hospital. Now, shortly after this happened, Herman called and he's like, hey, I got your money. He met with them and they did successfully complete this trade. And while they were doing this, the undercover agent asked Herman Petrillo if he still needed help with Alfonsi. And Petrillo told him that it was taken care of. So now they have seen Alfonsi. He ain't doing good. And they have the money. So they arrested the shit out of Herman Petrillo. Herman, my man, you should have stuck with spaghetti. You should have stuck with spaghetti. Ferdinand Alfonsi, he was an Italian immigrant living in Philadelphia with his wife, Stella Alfonsi. And she was the woman that opened the door that day. He worked as a day laborer. And he spent two months in Philadelphia's National Stomach Hospital until October 27th, 1938, when Alfonsi passed away. His doctors would later report that Alfonsi's body was, quote, saturated with arsenic. And after Alfonsi's death, Herman Petrillo's charge was changed from attempted murder to homicide. Now, while he was in custody, Herman Petrillo would not shut up. He told them everything. He told them that Morris and Paul, were Morris Bulber and Paul Petrillo, were the masterminds behind this. And he told them every single victim, I'm sorry, not every single, he named multiple victims, but they do not believe that this is the complete list. They estimated that the Philadelphia Poison Ring was responsible between 50 and 100 deaths. But these are the ones, I'm just going to list them off real quick. The ones that Herman Petrillo told the investigator. I'm going to say these the best I can, okay? They're all very Italian. Luigi Lavicio, Charles Engreo, Molly Starris, Antonio Romaldo, John Wallachin, Dominic Carina, Prospero Lisi, and Peter Stay, all husbands of Rose Arena, Joseph Arena, Romain Manduk, Pietro Paroli, Salvatore Carilli, Jennifer Pino, Antonio, oh boy. I'm sorry. Antonio Giacavi, Giuseppe Di Martino, Ralph Caruso, Philip Ingro, Lena Winkleman, and Jenna Cassetti. And of course, I'm sorry, Jeannie Cassetti. And of course, Fernando Alfonsi. Herman was like, if I'm going down, we're all going down. Oh, he squealed like a little pig. Like, he was like, bro. Mm-hmm. I had a great life selling spaghetti until someone wrangled me into this poison ring. Boy, you you did everything to put yourself there. All I wanted was to sell my spaghetti. I just needed the funds. You you made your own funds. You knew what you were doing. (laughs) Herman Petrillo claimed that all of the victims were killed with arsenic except for the three. Police started exhuming the bodies of the victims for testing, and they were able to get permission to do this thanks to Ferdinand Alfonso, Ferdinando Alfonsi's test results showing the mass amount of arsenic in his system. Herman Petrillo, was tri- his trial was on March 13, 1939. His judge was Harry McDivitt, and <laughs> the judge's nickname was Hangin' Harry. So it did not look good for him. Hangin' Harry McDivitt. Yeah. Not, uh, well, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about this trial, okay? There were multiple witnesses. Mayor and the undercover agent testified to Herman asking them to kill Alfonsi multiple times. Two life insurance agents who reported helping get the policies 
One of them who left the paperwork with Herman when Alfonsi did not want to sign the papers, which, by the way, that was against their practices. And a pharmacist who said that Herman asked him about buying typhoid germs and poisons. I, just like a case of typhoid germs. Don't personal uses. No, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. What he wanted was like, I guess, do you have any cups that this um, that typhoid Mary might have drank out of? Anything like that? I'm not really sure how one would peddle typhoid germs. Here's a tissue with some typhoid in it. Just put it in their soup. I'm going to vomit. Yeah, let's move on from the typhoid cooties. So then Herman took the stand for three hours and denied everything. Um, Herman, the hell, dude? It did not work well for him. When the jury foreman announced (laughs) a guilty verdict and a recommendation for death, Herman called her a lousy bitch and lunged at her. Sir, she is just the messenger at this point. Just the, like, um, she is not the one that was like, he is for sure guilty and he should be hung. Yeah. Like that, she's not, like, you're the lousy bitch at this point, Herman. She just, oh, he's been the lousy bitch for a long time. <laughs> um, he did not make it to her, by the way. He was very quickly restrained. And then the judge sentenced him to death. Herman's lawyer, after all this happened, Herman's lawyer stood up and apologized to the courtroom for defending, quote, such scum. Herman, you should have stuck with the spaghetti. Now, the next person to go on trial was a woman named Maria Fatavo. She was supposed to go to trial, but did not because she pled guilty to three counts of murder, including her husband and stepson. Police would go on to arrest 21 more people connected to this poison ring. Herman, they definitely expanded. They were like, we are now nationwide. Don't worry about it. Oh, I forgot about this part. So while police were investigating this poison ring, they discovered that Paul and Bulber were running a matrimonial agency. So they were marrying people. Mm, They were matchmaking. Yes, they were matchmaking. And then referring them, okay, I see what's happening. So matchmaking, <laughs> waiting for them to get married, then referring them to their other half of the business, getting the insurance. Okay, okay, I see what they're doing. Almost. Backwards. They found new husband for the widows of their victims. These women would d- take a new husband, get a life insurance policy on him, and then the ring members would dispose of them and get the money. So again, sometimes these women, they had no idea. This is, they're just like, this is my second husband to die. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. Like, this, there's so much trauma in these poor, like, oh my God. On May 25th, 1939, Morris Bulber pled guilty trying to escape the death penalty. And he did. He was granted life in prison. September of 1939, Paul also pled guilty. He was sentenced to death. They were like, no, 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 no. You're going to, you got to die. And then Rose Karina. She was known in the media as Rose of Death. She was sent to a jury trial who found her not guilty of murdering her three husbands or anybody else. Wow. I have no idea. But, like, is it wrong for her to be my hero? I don't know the answer to that. Because I feel like yes, but also no. Like, okay, maybe not my hero, but I'm impressed. 
That's why her neighborhood called her a witch, I guess. I'm not sure. It was some voodoo magic over there. Mm -hmm. 13 other men and women were eventually convicted or pled guilty to first-degree murder. The shortest sentence of all of these combined was no less than 14 years. So, Herman Petrillo, he died of judicial electrocution October 18th, 1941 at 12.23 a.m. Was also sentenced to judicial electrocution. He died March 31st of 1941. No, excuse me. He was, what's the word? Executioned. Executed. He was executed. He was executed March 31st, 1941 at 1234 a.m. Morris Bulber died in prison due to heart failure February 6th, 1954 at 1125 p.m. And as I said earlier, they're really not sure. How many people died uh, due to this poison ring? But they have an estimate that they were, they believe they netted $100,000 from this poison ring. In today's money, (laughs) that would be $1,801,437.13. They were making bank. They were making bank. That's why he left the spaghetti. He, he left the like, spaghetti to make dough. Oh my God, stop it. That's not even in my notes. That just come to me. <laughs> that just come to me. That just come to me. <laughs> that is your ridiculous story <laughs> of the Philadelphia poison ring. You're welcome. Thank I you know you loved so every much. moment of it. I will not forget this. <laughs> you said that about Michael Malloy. I love him. <laughs> okay. Well... Are you ready? Oh, I didn't even look if you had pictures. Oh, I do have pictures. Let me look. Let me just let me just check out your pictures here. Just pop on in there. Pop in. You know what? They look like the type of people that would. Don't they look exactly like Herman Petrillo? 100% he would get arrested and blabbed to everyone. Yes. Does he have a black mm-hmm. eye in that? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Okay. He looks like a little weasel. Uh-huh. Ugh. Um, all right, well, I have a story that <laughs> it might be a little interesting <laughs> because I told Cody, I kind of sort of took a book out of Amanda's, took a page out of Amanda's book here. You took a book out of Amanda's page. <laughs> I took a book out of Amanda's library. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I took a page out of Amanda's book here and I made Cody do my research. Now, Cody's not presenting his research. He's home. So if I'm confused and have questions, I can scream at him and just tell him to come in here. So this is going to be the first time I have read these notes. Yes. I'm already confused. Um, Why? (laughs) Well, his pictures were out of order because he used the words like first, second, third. Um, So I'm putting them as numbers so they'll show up in order. But he has two fifths. I mean, I guess we'll know when we get one to the One looks like it's the same as the fourth. Yeah. But the They're, second one is spelled F-I-T-H. So yeah. I don't know it, which one's... No, one of them's a duplicate of the fourth. So I don't know if it's the fifth or the fourth, but... Amanda's know. fixing Cody shit. I don't yeah. know what he... I, did, I haven't even looked at the notes. I think I've read the first two paragraphs and went, cool, awesome. Now, with that being said, I did notice that Cody has uh, typed up his little essay for me in first person. So it is him saying my first thoughts and I found out. 
So when I read those, envision Cody saying that because it's not actually me. I'm just reading Cody's bullshit. Okay. Okay. We will. We will take that into account. What we got. Yeah. This is what we're calling hell on flip flops. Yep. (laughs) So wish us luck. (laughs) (laughs) But Cody's story um, is the gates to hell or the gates to the cosmos. Ooh. Now, I'm also going to say that this is a different format than what I normally read from. I normally read from a bulleted list. Because I didn't write this, Cody had to do it, like, so I could read it. (laughs) So I'm sorry if it gets uh, confusing or um, anything. Amanda will keep me in check and make sure I'm not monotone, right? Yep. Okay. (laughs) She pops popcorn in her mouth. All right. The Book of Entrance is a small collection of rituals and summoning spells. This book is found inside the greater collections of spells, rituals, and incantations known as the Necronomicon, written by H.P. Lovecraft in the mid-1930s and first published in 1938. There is another version of the Necronomicon Necronomicon called the Simon Necronomicon. The Simon version is to have blended Middle Eastern magics with H.P. Lovecraft's works. In this version, there are rituals to open up basically the same gates of hell or cosmo- cosmos as in Lovecraft's book. Cody's first thought when he found out about the gate is why. From what he can gather, it's known for knowledge, knowledge of the supernatural or demons and magic. However, he has never heard of anyone saying they opened up a gate and now have magical abilities. I have to agree with Cody. Because when you told me this is what the books is, the books are about, I was like, why would you write a book on that? Why would you write a massively produced item? Why? Because why not? Uh, to save the planet off the top of my head. Listen. <laughs> to not destroy the world. I can't help you there, okay? <laughs> you gain knowledge in different formats depending on what book you use. In Lovecraft's book, you can get this knowledge by getting granted a wish if you make make it through all seven gates. Once you have opened the last gate named Ultimate Gate, there is an entity there, and if you don't get killed by this entity, it will grant you one wish. There is not clear information as to how to avoid being killed by the guardian of the gate. So you are... What I'm getting is good luck. <laughs> I'm not playing this game. Like This this sounds like a video game, and uh, it's not, though, because I die. It's like the fairy odd parents, where they put him in the video game. But you actually die if you die in the game. I'm not, uh-huh. like, I don't have multiple lives here. I'm not doing this. Also, <laughs> I should have op- I should have asked this in the beginning. Is it safe to look at all these freaking pictures? Or am I going to invite something into my house by having these seven gates of Narnia or whatever staring at me? I will say that's been a little eerie in our house for the past couple weeks. What the hell? And Cody made mention that anytime he starts looking into stuff like this, his friends come to visit. But that might just be a Cody thing. Cody, you better leave your freaking friends in Utah. You're going to have to talk to him about that. I'll text him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you text him right now. The Egyptian's Book of the Dead has 13 gates, but this is a dynamic number. From what I understand... Correction. From what Cody understands, there is an unlimited amount of gates due to being able to open a gate to a specific realm. Once in that realm, you can open a new string of gates based on that realm you originally opened up to. Did you Wonderful. follow that? Yeah, this okay. doesn't sound confusing at all. No big deal. 
Knowledge is gained through experiencing whatever conversations you have with the entities within. As a side note, in Lovecraft's book, you can kind of talk to some of the gatekeepers. Kind of. He does not elaborate how. Right. So I'm assuming it's just like, (laughs) hey, how's the weather been? And they're like, it's hot. And he's like, okay. It's hell. It's hot. What do you think? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. There are also gates in the Christianity books. These gates are known as the gates to heaven and the gates to hell, as well as the seven seals that keep the apocalypse from happening, which are referred to as the gates in some texts. What is different with these gates is you cannot open them from your backyard and astral project into another realm of the cosmos. Good. I was going to ask that question. (laughs) You were like, I'm trying to astral project right now. So specific. (laughs) The gates in the book of entrance from the Necronomicon are fascinating. I don't know if they're fascinating. That's what Cody (laughs) said. I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) Tell me why they're fascinating, Cody. Well, the book is known to just be stories. There used to be a large occult following in Utah during the late 80s, early 90s. People would go up the canyons in Utah and do their rituals up in the woods at night. Naturally, this was perfect grounds to grow awesome, scary stories. Okay. I'm with it. Um, Cody has done us the honors of what it will kind of look like if you are thinking about opening these gates. To start, there are seven gates in Lovecraft's book. The first one, the gate of Nana. Uh-huh. Okay. The second one is the gate of Nebo. The third... Mm-hmm. The gate of Inanna. The fourth, the gate of Shamash. The fifth, the gate of Nergal. <laughs> I don't know if I'm yeah, saying any of this is right. Nergal. You're doing great. Okay. <laughs> Not monotone at all. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. Okay. There's probably a lot of confusion in here because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> the sixth is the gate of Lord Marduk. <laughs> The seventh is the gate of Ninib, Ninib, N-I-N-I-B, called Adar. Oh, maybe I was supposed to say the gate of Adar. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> he has it in quotes called Adar. I don't know what's happening. Maybe it has a nickname. I don't know. We're going to nickname the seventh gate Adar. Okay. But Just that's the like last it. one, right? Yeah, that's the, sev- that's the end of the story. We're done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we're only halfway through. (laughs) Just like in anything, unless you're Cody, his words, not mine. He literally has it in parentheses, unless you're Cody. Oh my gosh. I love this. We should have done this so long ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is, it's, first of all, it's just so different reading his notes and then just watching where he, like, I've corrected some of them so that it's not first person. (laughs) But then watching him go from, First person to third person, like, is just great. This is the greatest thing ever. You know what? That takes a skilled narrator, so I'll give him that. Points. (laughs) So, just like in anything, unless you're Cody, you always start with the first step and first gate. Also, note to self, it will take about seven to nine months to properly open the gates. So, if you're planning on opening the gates, plan for pregnancy. Pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we both went there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, at least that's Cody's understanding. Okay? <laughs> that's, Cody's understanding is pregnancy length. 
Every woman that has ever been pregnant is like, you idiot. <laughs> it's so much worse than opening a gate to hell. <laughs> we are not comparing it. We're just <laughs> saying lengthwise, mm-hmm. that's what you're planning for, okay? <laughs> now, Cody did add some pictures. Um, there are specific sigils that you must scribe on each slab or tablet, respective to their corresponding gate. Basically, for each gate, you have to chisel or draw images and sigils onto specific materials. No, uh-uh. I can't do this. I'm out. Well, Cody... I ain't no artist. <laughs> if it's on a cake, I could do it. But not on stone. Or with a pencil. <laughs> do you think you could use frosting instead? I could 100% use frosting to make this. I'm very okay. confident in that ability. Okay. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to... Um, for Cody's birthday, I kind of want to make him uh, one of these cakes, but I also kind of don't. <laughs> Remind me to look into shipping and seeing how much it would cost to ship a cake, and I could see Deal. if I could do it. Deal. Okay. Um, so Cody's going to go on to explain... Okay, correction. I don't know what he's going to go on <laughs> to explain. I'm just reading. So Cody is going to explain as simply as possible, but to the best of his ability, how one would theoretically open a gate. I'm already confused. <laughs> so, so Cody's going to try to explain how to open the gate. Okay. But he put big words in. I don't feel like that was necessary. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> First thing, depending on the gate, you have to have a specific diet. For X amount of days. Well, I'm out. No, absolutely not. No. No. I can't even diet to lose weight. It, it didn't say it was a weight loss diet. It just says it's a diet. It could be like an all ice cream diet. Wait, Taco Bell every day? Because I'm there. <laughs> yes, it's a Taco Bell diet for a minute. <laughs> Is that how you open the seventh one? <laughs> or the first? That's probably the first. <laughs> um... Oh, wait, here we go. One of the gates for the diet is no meat for five days, then only seawater for the next, no, then only, wait, sweet water? Oh, that makes so much more sense, because seawater, drinking seawater for how many days? Three. You're dead. Okay, but what is sweet water? Oh, I don't know. Water with sugar? coconut water i'm not really sure i don't know either um so you're drinking some sort of water but it's not water so (laughs) it's either sea or sweet i don't know he put sweet i read sea all i know is growing up on the gulf coast i have drank my fair share of sea water let me tell you you don't drink much in a day without puking that stuff back up it doesn't say you can't puke it up so far oh well then i could probably do that okay (laughs) so no meat for five days, then only sweet sea water for the next three days. After that, you can start the ritual. Now, now that the diet is done, you will need your slab or tablet with the sigils scribed on the material provided in the book. He apparently didn't provide those to you because he, he doesn't need that. We don't need that in our lives, okay? Okay. Um, it will need to be wrapped in the finest silk. So get your credit cards out. Boy. <laughs> Each of the gates wrapping material is different. For example, it could be wrapped in pure cotton rather than silk. Same thing with the slab or tablet. It could be on wood or stone or gold. So basically, if anyone's confused, each tablet is going to be made out of something different for each gate of hell. So like the first gate might be stone, but the second gate might be wood for their, their tablet. 
Okay. And then some of it you have to wrap in fine satin, and the other one you have to wrap in fruit of the loom. I'm sorry, silk. The other one you can just get some fruit of the loom from Walmart, and you're good to go. Yes, the finest of cottons. Cool. So, so where was I? That's the real question is, where the hell was I? (laughs) Um, Each tablet is made of something different and gets wrapped in something different. Okay, perfect. I found where I was. Also, Mm. I wanted to point out that you better hope that you're not opening a gate for the gold like a tablet of gold how big does this thing have to be i can't afford that is it specific does it specify what type of gold does it want like 24 karat 10 karat can i get fool's gold i'm assuming if you're doing the finest silk it wants like the finest gold okay well you know what (laughs) you're trying to get champagne (laughs) out of a beer budget here well then don't open them just don't open the gates I just did that Taco Bell diet for nothing. <laughs> no meat either. Which is probably fine. You did a Taco Bell diet anyway. I just did that potato taco for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These sigils are also sensitive to astrological lighting. So the moon and the star positions. Meaning you cannot unwrap the sigil and look at it or work on it unless it's a full moon or only under the full moon's light. There's too much planning going into this. So <laughs> I have to plan a specific diet on specific days before a specific moon phase. You technically have to plan two different diets. You have to plan the no meat diet and then the the sweet water diet. This sounds like a lot of work for one crummy wish. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, I'm not the one doing the work, okay? Well, I'm not doing it. Cody mentions that he did notice that some sigils are under different moon phases or certain times of the year. So his full moon or only under the full moon's light might be for just like a specific gate. Okay. That's another thing that sucks is you're doing this gate by gate. You're literally having to go, all right, gate one, this is your requirements. Gate two, you have different requirements. Is there cheat codes for this? Or like a walkthrough that will tell me, like, you need to start training for this gate on January 31st to be ready in time to have the correct moon. But only if it's 2023, because the moons are going to be different if it's 2023. No, if it's 2024. (laughs) The moons are different in 2023 to 2023? (laughs) Yeah, they're different every month. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There are chants and such you can perform perfectly. Oh, no, not you can. You must perform perfectly during the unwrapping. So I have to wrap it a specific way and unwrap it? What do I have to, like, this side up unwrap from the left? Well, that, we're just talking about chants. Like, oh. it's an incantation. So there are chants that you must perform perfectly during the unwrapping. He hasn't told us how you unwrap it yet. So you're now speaking while oh, you're God. unwrapping it. <laughs> this is why they mass produce these books. Because no one's going to get this. No one's going to get this. Who? Who has, who has reached this demon and not died and got a wish? I think Maisie. And was it a good wish, though? Or was it like a demon wish where it's like, oh, you want to be rich? Okay, here, you're rich. But now you're ugly and everyone hates you and you smell like fish. I think it, Maisie made it. This is what I think. Because I Maisie acts too human sometimes. So I think she made it through the gates of hell, made her wish and wished for a family because she was probably lonely. She didn't mm-hmm. realize they were going to turn her into a dog and stick her with me. See, that sounds like some <laughs> shit a demon would do. Yeah, I know Maisie, shit a demon would do, huh? She agrees. <laughs> She's looking over here like, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Call it. 
Oh, let's make this even better. The chants have a specific number of repetitions for each part of the ritual. Good God. <laughs> if you fuck up the phonetic sound or enunciate, uh, or do not enunciate, you will possibly let something cross over onto our plane of reality, resulting in being fucked with until you figure out the entity's name and banish it. So it's Beetlejuice? <laughs> it's worse than Beetlejuice. <laughs> it's Beetlejuice. Still skin? Maybe no, because Beetlejuice, he's only free once you say his name. He just can't say it. This one's free, and then you have to figure out its name. I think that's how Rumpelstiltskin worked. Like, he would just mess with you, and the only way to get him was to leave you alone was to know his name, but... Nobody knew his name, yeah. It's freaking Rumpelstiltskin. Who's gonna... Somebody. Somebody's gonna figure it out. I think that's how the story went. I don't know. I was a little kid. <laughs> Something with a baby, and so they figured out his name. Rumpelstiltskin. I think there was a thimble or something. I don't know. Something about gold. Thimble would have been. Thumbelina. I don't know. That's a completely different movie that I'm aware of. Yeah, that was a joke because you said something about gold and I thought you were joking. So I just made it weirder. But you were not joking. (laughs) Isn't it like, so the story is like Rumpelstiltskin. He can make gold out of wool. And so you have to like be on the loom and something happened. Like. Basically, a deal was made, and the person that he made the deal with, he went and wove the gold, the the new gold fabric, and the deal was he would do that, but he got the firstborn child. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Could that be a story? Can we do Rumpelstiltskin as a paranormal I story? Like, I feel like we should, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll add it to the list. Okay. The experience of opening a gate will be an astral projection style. Your soul will leave the, your body. Good news is your watcher will stay behind and guard your body from any entities that would want to take possession. Who the, where the fuck is this watcher? I was about to say, did you mention us having a watcher? No. Is it the gatekeeper or is it someone you bring with you? I have no clue. Which led me to another question. We have to carry around all these tablets made of rock, made of stone, wrapped in cotton, wrapped in satin, silk, damn it. <laughs> Wrapped in silk. Like, this is heavy. Am I carrying this on my back? Can I bring a wheeled suitcase? I have no clue. <laughs> a mule? Like, something? I just You're astral projecting. Hold on. You're astral projecting. The whole time? I think you're only opening one gate at a time. Like, you open one, okay. and then you can go in, like, a month later and open the next one. Okay, that makes it a little easier. I still want to know who this watcher is. Do I, I like the watcher? Because I watched a movie about astral projection. What was it? Insidious, I believe. And like, how is somebody on the outside going to stop someone from taking over my body if I am away from it? Like, if I my inner self is away, what are you going to do? Like, do you have a code word? And if I come to and I don't get it right, you just slap the shit out of them until knock them back out? It's a safe word for astral projecting. Um, a safe word for astral projection. Cucumber. Cucumber, done. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to just kind of maybe put some of our answers about the, this watcher to rest because the next sentence is, however, if some asshole comes along and sees you laying there and kills you, will your soul will forever be lost in between dimensions of the astral plane. Ooh. Where did the watcher go when the asshole did, killed you? Did the watcher die too? Did you just abandon know. me? The watcher went on a potty break. No, you got a potty on the clock. <laughs> Amazon does it. Bring a Gatorade bottle. I have no clue. Oh, man. Okay. 
final sentence in this paragraph is, which is basically the worst thing that could happen to your soul, to my under- or to Cody's understanding, being stuck in the astral plane. You think? <laughs> I don't know. A gin could take it. Could be worse. It could be worse. Do yeah. I need to ask Cody about this watcher? Because I'm stuck on who the fuck this watcher is. Do I elect them? Can you please? Are they assigned to me? Cody! I need I need you to answer a question. Everybody, the world needs him to answer this question. Let's let's back up here real quick. Okay, so they're not hellhounds. They're they're actual canines. Yeah, so this watcher is not a physical being watching over your body. Okay. The watcher, Cody explained as like a guardian angel. And he said, some people believe that you can have up to three guardian angels. So they're there watching you spiritually, but they're not able to stop anything physical from attacking you. So they're not on the physical plane able to stop someone hurting your, your, you laying there. So what do they do? Do they like come to you and they're like, hey, you got to get the hell out of this astral projection because this dog's gnawing on your jugular. I think it's more um, like the spiritual aspect where they're kind of making sure spiritually like you're not being possessed by a demon or that type of thing. Ah, uh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, but if it's a physical anything that's attacking you, you're kind of SOL. They might go and be like, hey, bro. Head back to the body because you've got to fight off some wildebeest. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then I did also ask him, could you hire some armed body, like guards, to watch over your body? He said they would have to be part of the ritual. So you're in this alone. I don't like my odds here. This is it. <laughs> if we were at a casino, I would not play. I would walk right okay. past this table. Okay, well, we got the clarity there. <laughs> From Cody's experience talking to people who claim to have opened these things up, most people only get to the third gate and stop. This is usually due to them seeing or hearing things that just freak them out. Also, looking online, it basically says the same thing. Third time's a charm and people are out. Why we're even going that far, I don't know. Is this something you can just halt? Like, can you? Yeah, I guess so. You can just be like, we're done. We're not opening the fourth gate. Do you have to close the current gate? I have no clue. <laughs> Why would you ask such a question? I don't know. Because it's just, it feels like, it feels like being told you have to take nine months of tuberculosis pills and you get three months in and you're like, I really, this feels like a lot of work. I don't want to do it anymore. And then at the end, you still have tuberculosis. Okay. Um, let's save that question for the end. Okay. Ask. Cody goes on and he says, there are several rules to guard your soul. Also to prevent crossover, letting something onto our plane. That was supposed to be a comma, not a period. Okay. There are several rules to guard your soul. Also to prevent crossover and letting something into our plane. Basically, if you mess up on the ritual or any of the rules, you could let something in. You will probably be physically attacked, which could look something like severe depression and lack of drive in day-to-day things, which again is severe depression. Uh, this is usually a demon sucking the life out of you, making you weak so they can take control of the wheel. Am I being attacked? What wheel? The wheel of your life? Oh. They're, they're driving. You're just in the car with them at this <laughs> point. 
do I have a brake on the passenger side? No, like the this like is the... not a student driver car. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the book of entrance in the Necronomicon is a fun book to read. Oh, great, dear. Is it? <laughs> is it now? Because it doesn't sound like it. Uh-huh. I'm learning a lot about my husband right now. Learning his <laughs> reading habits. While it is known as fantasy in this day and age, Cody knows of a couple of people who have for real said they this stuff is not fake. One gentleman claims to have been thrown around his bathroom in the middle of the day and was bruised bruised up badly. The same person freaked out at Cody when Cody asked him how the Ouija board works. Uh, this man is now a good Mormon man and lives the straight and narrow. Why was he in the bathroom? He was probably going potty. And he just got thrown against a, a wall? Yeah. Was he astral projecting? I think he probably fudged up one of these uh, rituals and it just came back to bite him in the ass. I bet he got satin instead of silk. Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably listened to this and was like, wait, was it satin or silk I was supposed to get? Yep. Amanda kept saying the wrong one. Me too, bro. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, great. This this sentence starts with personal experience. Oh, okay. We're good. <laughs> it says, Cody's personal experience with the book is neutral. So I'm going to say he did not, I, as I read, he did not try any of the things in the book. Thank God. And he never really felt anything negative in his life in general. However, he did order a copy of the Satanic Bible, which apparently is a boring book. Oh, is I think Satan would beg to differ. Um, listen, Cody's words, not mine, okay? Um, once Cody had both books, things started to get a little out of hand and he threw them away. For example, he would hear knocking on walls and having nightmares. The nightmares he doesn't remember, but family members would ask if, I, if he was okay because he would scream in his sleep. No one dared to wake him up. Uh, no one dares to wake him up now, so that's not a strong statement. He's pretty scary to wake up. Hold on. Family members heard him. Where was he? Was he living with his parents? Yeah, this was well before I met him. He was living oh. with his parents and was having these nightmares and i've heard his mom talk about him like there were a couple instances where he would scream and they were like what's going on and it was from a nightmare and he had no clue if my children ever bring any of that (laughs) crap in this house they're out yeah you're gone there's a shed out back no for the book for you for you (laughs) and your bad choices (laughs) You're not even allowed on my property. The shed's off limits, too. Go to Grandma's house. Don't bring that crap to them, either. They're good people. They're good. Babe, Grandma's Catholic, right? Pretty sure Catholic. My grandma and his grandma, both Catholic, good people, okay? You bring that crap somewhere else. You take that to whoever gave you the idea. You take that crap to school and leave it there. (laughs) All right, well... No one would dare to wake Cody up during these nightmares, which he thought was messed up, but he's <laughs> also being a sensitive little bitch. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you put yourself in that situation there, buddy. <laughs> At the time, Cody was sleeping on a waterbed mattress, like a water mattress. What era was this? I don't know. I don't even know how that's relevant. 
Brought um, <laughs> 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 all these anti-religious Bibles into the house, and I was sleeping on my waterbed, just having nightmares. It's relevant, but he's in there. Wait, actually, that's genius. What he should have done was put holy water in the waterbed. You sleep in peace. It's the opportunity there. <laughs> I will let him know. Okay. Uh, interesting fact. Mormon missionaries are not allowed in the sea because it's the devil's domain or something like that. At least that's what my mission, Cody's missionary friend said when he went to Mexico. Who knows? Maybe they just didn't want teenagers swimming in the ocean and drowning. So I'm assuming the waterbed is now, he's now linking in this sea thing, but it's still relevant. I don't know. Is that the water that he had to drink to open the gate? <laughs> Probably. You have to drink water from a waterbed for three days. <laughs> the water we got for the waterbed is from the sea. <laughs> that missionaries are, uh, yeah, Mormon missionaries are not allowed to swim in. Because it's the devil's domain. I was going to ask, is it the salt that makes the sea the devil's domain? Maybe they're just salty. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mormons. I'm sorry. So... This is Cody's, this is the last paragraph. So good luck to you if you find yourself bored and wanting an adventure. Cody cannot say for certain that it's fake. It's one of those things where he's happy not knowing for sure. Because if that shit is real, he is in no way taking chances of summoning a demon and letting that fuck mess with me forever. With him forever. Which reminds me. I've ever heard him say. I agree. Which also reminds him he has an interesting story about a Mormon elder fucking up an exorcist, causing him to bind the entity to him. Cheers! Wait. Hold on. An LDS, a member of the LDS church, an elder fucked up an exorcism. I think he meant to put exorcism and it caused him to bind the entity to him. To the elder, to the LDS elder. So it's like a priest fucking up an exorcism and then the entity is then bound to the priest. I need to know more on this this (laughs) elder man. He just said cheers. (laughs) Where is he today? What is he doing? Is he still a Mormon? Or is he... Can you still be a Mormon with a demon inside you? I don't know if it's inside to him or attached to him. This guy can't be married, right? (laughs) Well, they can't get divorced. Yeah, they can. I thought it was, like, extremely taboo. They still do. I think they've changed the rules. You can get a divorce now. I think. Probably I don't know. because of him. Because he loved his wife so much, <laughs> but he understood her not wanting to be with him and his demon bro. So he was like, no, I'm an elder. I changed the rules because I love her and I want her to live a happy life and not levitate for the rest of her lifetime or the rest of her lifetime mm-hmm. i would like her head to hit the pillow please i don't know what's happening so mormon marriages are different from most marriages because they're considered eternal if a husband and wife are sealed together in the temple they can be together on into the celestial kingdom however the church does have a process for annulment and sees divorce as an unfortunately necessary evil so yes they can get divorced oh, okay um that was released in april 2007 I would say that um, divorce, uh, divorcing and 
elder demon man uh, <laughs> would be the lesser of the two evils in this case. Oh, right. Well, there you have it. So I, I just got left with more questions. I think I got left with more questions, too. I just don't know how to answer any of them or if Cody even knows the answer. So. <laughs> Helen flip-flops. Oh, boy, was that one hell of a ride there. We should be doing that quarterly with Cody. I think so. I could probably talk James into doing one, too. Just quarterly. I don't even care. Yeah. They can alternate to a year. Oh, yeah, we can make that happen. Okay, okay. Y'all let us know if you liked it or if you don't. or Dad, let me know because you're going to be the first one to tell me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.